7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto, Japan, it is 11 p.m., and in Malaysia, it's 1968. I'm Jay Sheldon, and as usual, I'm not wearing pants. Welcome in. Welcome, everybody. I hope you can hear me. No promises. <laughs> I actually started off an hour ago on Stephen Bones Everything live stream on Twitch.tv, where it is still going on, and I was supposed to be there playing Among Us. I've got my my phone all ready, booted up, the game running, <clears throat> and for some reason, my audio, both my headphones and my microphone completely went berserk. I don't use the same streaming software I use here for when I do things like Stephen Bones, everything, because it's audio only. And uh, so uh, this seems to be fine. It looks like it's working. I even tried booting this software and feeding the audio and it still wouldn't work. So <clears throat> anyway, I, I had to bow out because I was just mucking up everything on, on the stream over there every time I unmuted my mic. So apologies to Stephen Bones and the gang over there. Uh, after we're done here, I'm going to try again, but no promises. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, that's all live. And if you're listening to the podcast somewhere down the road of our video show, um, <coughs> wow, a live sneeze on the air. Imagine that. There's a first. I don't think I'm going to edit that out. I'll leave that there for you. You, 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 can, you can find my sneeze. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we're available as a podcast, and thank you to everyone. Our numbers are doing great for downloads and subscriptions. Spotify, Amazon, Apple, wherever you find your podcasts, we're there. So thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for joining the No Pants Weirdo Gang. That's who we are. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Saturday night in Malaysia. Uh, I don't know. It's a Saturday morning, I guess, the start of your weekend in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Coming up tonight, some of the original geishas weren't women. I did not know that. As much as, uh, as much as I'm a Japanophile, I'm finding out new info every day. Anyway, we've got that for you. Also, can or not? Like that, also can. Um, and more Malaysian phrases. I found a rather interesting memory on my Facebook today, and I thought I would share that with you. Uh, okay, it's time. Miko update. <laughs> yeah, Miko update. She's sleeping as always in the other room. She's doing well. Uh, she had her bath today. First time in two weeks she had a bath because we got busy last week and then it got too late in the day. We don't like to shower her late in the day because then her fur, Shiba Inus, if you don't know, have this double fur. They've got a very dense inner fur and a outside hair fur. Uh, and it takes forever to dry. She's very good about her bath. She doesn't 
love it, but she puts up with it. And then the drying process, we have a, a hair dryer and dog brushes and things. So we get her as dry as we can, but she can never be 100% dry. It takes hours. <clears throat> and she'll usually go out and uh, and lay around in the sun when uh, when she gets her bath. So anyway, she's doing fine. She smells good. <laughs> There's that. And uh, otherwise... She's doing all right. We, we still go for our nightly walks, but we haven't been able, of course, to go to her favorite spot, the Odessa Park City Dog Park. So she's just uh, been interacting with, with the other dogs in the neighborhood, which is fine for her. All right. What else have we got going on today? It's uh, day 3,462 of uh, Saul being under house arrest. Apparently, they are giving some people, the anointed ones, um, some freedom. <laughs> freedom that we should have anyway, but they took it away from us. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, did I just say something political? Oops. And, uh, yeah, so uh, things are, you know, I was going to say things are moving forward. They're really not. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where we all just kind of, put up with it and whatever um all right what else have we got oh yeah don't forget us over on patreon if you'd like to help support the show we have had a major restructuring so if you went over there before and you thought "Ooh, that's too expensive yeah basically the major restructuring means we're cheaper now we cheapened ourselves. No, no, we, we readjusted because they have made some changes at Patreon, which were very beneficial to us. We appreciate that. Thank you, Patreon. So if you'd like to support the show, it is extremely inexpensive. Even though it's in USD, even at the conversion rate for Malaysians, it's also inexpensive. Patreon.com slash Sheldon is where you'll find it. Sign up over there and uh, help us out. We thank you for that. All right. What else we got going on here? We've got, uh, oh, I know. We're going to get right into the geisha thing. This popped up in my, uh, in my Facebook feed. And I thought, mm, okay, so let me look uh, more into this. And as it so happens... I found out a bunch of stuff that I had no idea was uh, was going on in the world of geisha. Um, well, this is uh, not particularly geisha, but it led me down that train of thought. Y you understand me and my brain. Um, in order, to <laughs> in in now, this is prostitutes. Geishas were not prostitutes, but check this out. In order to advertise their services, prostitutes in ancient Greece wore sandals that left the word akalute, which translated means follow me. If you're watching on the video stream, you can see the, the picture here. Now, this is not actually the sandal. It's a mock-up, of course. But it, it was written in reverse in Greek letters. You'll see the Greek letters there. <clears throat> and basically it meant follow me and that would be imprinted in the dirt as they walked in their sandals the prostitutes had various origins a metic women who could not find other work poor widows and <clears throat> older poinai i don't know what that word means who had succeeded in buying back their freedom often on credit but uh, in the world of marketing a big thumbs up to the ancient Greek prostitutes who would 
<laughs> put this follow me on the bottom of their sandals and then, hey, it's free advertising, right? Why not? Mmm, <laughs> coffee break time. Sorry. Uh, okay, what else we got here? Okay, so that lead, that lead, led me to to the world of geisha, and uh, I found a really interesting article at Ranker.com. So tip of the hat to the folks at uh, Ranker.com. And uh, this was 10 common misconceptions that people have about geisha. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about geisha, uh, namely the belief that they were just fancy prostitutes. Uh, the pervasiveness of the belief has overshadowed the rich history. Serena Lee, you're here? Seriousa! Oh, my God. Oh, sexual immorality. That's what pornia. Oh, thank you. And I assume that might be where the word porn came from. P-O-R-N. E-I-A, Porniaia, something like that. Thank you, Serena, and thank you for popping into the stream. It is so good to see you. Excellent. Hey. Okay, back to it. Um, the pervasiveness of the belief that geisha were just fancy prostitutes overshadowed the rich history of the geisha. <clears throat> you know what? I, I just recently, I re-watched Memoirs of a Geisha, which... People have problems historically about the film, but honestly, as a film, it's brilliant. And of course, the the culture and all is is amazing to watch in that in that film. Well done. Uh, it devalued their skills. They were professional entertainers, and not that kind of entertainment, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> um, Geisha's primary task was to entertain her clients with art and the arts playing musical instruments like we've played on this show before, the koto and things, and uh, witty conversations. The lives of historic geisha were very different from the West's notion of geisha as well-priced prostitutes who hung out at bordellos. They weren't all, or even primarily, prostitutes. <clears throat> and uh, so that's one myth that can be put to bed. They were very highly skilled entertainers, and not cheap company. It was not inexpensive. Yes, it was a great movie. It was not cheap to hire Geisha to accompany you for an evening. Many believe that uh, <clears throat> Geisha and Maiko were primarily coveted for their looks, but primarily it was their entertainments. Um, geisha actually translates to art person. Singing, dancing, playing the shamisen, and other performing arts. Through time, individual geisha earned reputations as experts in one or more of the arts they pursued, and patrons would seek out geisha based on their experience. This is the one that freaked me out, and I had no idea. Not all geisha were women. The very first were men. The very first geisha were men called Taikomochi. These men perform many functions over the century, from entertaining daimyo in a role similar to court jesters, singing, dancing, telling jokes, telling stories. By the 17th century, many had moved out of the court into the private employ of courtesans, in which position they amused waiting guests. 
and at the height of their popularity in the mid to late 1700s, more than 500 male geisha existed in Japan. <clears throat> and then as more women pursued the career of geisha, they slowly dwindled out until it was taken over entirely by, uh, by women. Modern-day taikomochi are more like party masters. They tell jokes, interesting anecdotes, discouraging the drinking of, uh, or encouraging the drinking of more sake. <laughs> Great idea. Geisha evolved from skilled dancers, not common prostitutes. It was quite a popular solution for parents who needed money to send their daughters away for singing and dancing lessons. And uh, they were called... Odoriki, dancing girl, believed that geisha evolved directly from them. Not all geisha performed the same role. A number were female artists, of course. Shiro geisha, which is white geisha, strictly entertainers. Kido geisha, which is gate, stood at the entrance of carnivals, playing shamisan to attract customers. Juro geisha, meanwhile, weren't geishas at all, but prostitutes. So there you go. That's why we said not all geisha. Uh, closer to the traditional Western notion of a geisha. And becoming a geisha was a lot harder than you think. It wasn't just showing up with your face painted white. In order to become geisha, young women had to go through very long and extensive training, which could begin as early as age three and last into their early 20s. A geisha in training called a maiko, mentored in ways of the geisha by her onesan, older sister, and uh, perfecting an array of performing arts. They had to learn calligraphy, ikebana, flower arranging, how to engage patrons in captivating conversation, and of course, the intricate makeup. And uh, it still takes hours to apply that and style the hair, even after years of practice. And not all geisha were young. Um, another myth, as mentioned before, geisha required long and relentless years of training, but it wasn't uncommon for a geisha to remain active as they aged. Um, a geisha with more years under her belt would have more experience and presumably be more talented. And for the most part, geisha were not oppressed. I know that was... Uh, it was kind of implied in the movie Memoirs of the Geisha, but you could see the actual power that Geisha had in a very, in a very subtle and cunning way. Uh, women in the Geisha community who were forced into prostitution were not liberated, obviously, but many Geishas were very free to choose how they entertained clients and enjoyed a lot of liberties uh, as other women during the Edo period. And even up until uh, World War II, did not have that freedom. <clears throat> the geisha were among the few women who earn, owned, earned their own income. And geisha were not meek, and they were not submissive. Many believe they were subservient, but the very opposite is true. Geisha were expected to be very lively entertainers. They were permitted to converse with men on a wide range of topics, a privilege that a lot of their clients' wives even didn't have. Uh, because their job required them to be witty, geisha were able to speak to men as equals and not, as it says here, controlled by men.
That's fascinating. Absolutely amazing. So there you go. More information than you ever wanted to know about Geisha. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I think it's probably because I just watched, rewatched, I should say, the film after, I think the first time I watched it was when it first came out. And uh, just recently, in the last couple weeks, watched it again. And it, um, it was as amazing this time as it was the first time. <clears throat> All right. Like that, uh, like that, uh, that's a segue into my next segment. Like that, uh, can or not, where got. <sighs> I wrote this when? 2018. It still applies today. And we have talked a little bit about this before, but this really sums it up. If you are not in Malaysia, maybe if you're in Singapore, Indonesia a little bit, Thailand, but it's different. Same, same, but different. <laughs> and uh, other parts of Southeast Asia. But <clears throat> um, I have been in Malaysia now for almost 20 years, 19 and a half years. Wow, imagine that. But uh, I wrote this back in 2018, so what, 19, 20, 21, three years ago, and it still stands today. I think I finally figured it out. 19 years in Malaysia, I'm pretty much a virtual Malaysian, uh, very quickly adapted to the life and culture, even way back 2001, 2002, or at least grew to understand it, even if I disagreed with some of it. Uh, but to this very day, the language confounds me. Not Bahasa Malaysia, the official language of Malaysia, of which I can speak a little, little bit, sikit, sikit, and understand maybe a little bit more than I can speak. But one of the things, if I haven't explained this before, in, in Malay, it, okay, well, let me start this way. In English, the sentence, the big red rubber ball, okay? But in Bahasa, it's the ball, big red rubber. So the noun comes first, and then the descriptors follow. So... That's what's so confusing, because, you know, 150 years of this brain trying to put a sentence together in English, and then speaking in Malay, even if I know the words, I've got to flip them around. Not an easy thing to do. Uh, but <laughs> some of their phrases in English, not in Bahasa, but in English, are just same with Spanish. Yeah, exactly. Same with Spanish. French, too, uh, too. Is it French also? I think so. Um, but some of their English phrases are horrendously bad English. In fact, when I speak, when I speak with my friends back in the U.S. on the phone or on Skype or in a, a call, a video call online, uh, sometimes they have trouble. No, they don't have trouble understanding me. But I use phrases and things that they're like, what? Huh? Um, 
And this is an example of a bunch of them that I could think of. Understand or not, which basically means, do you understand? Can or not, which means basically just what it says. Can you do this or are you unable to do it? Can or not. Like that also can. This is more of a tough one. Like that also can. It's like... uh it's like when you're given two choices, if you want something or something else, or if you want to do something or do the other thing, uh, that's not really a great way of describing it, but it's all that pops into my head right now. Hey, Luna, Luna Amethyst, welcome to the stream. You're not late. Get here when you get here. Thank you for becoming a, an official uh, no-pants weirdo. We're all no-pants weirdos here. We've, we've started a club. <laughs> and Serena just just joined. Thanks, Serena. Okay, uh, like that also can. So it, it's kind of like like that also can. Yeah, one or the other. Eh, whatever. Okay, play water is one I know I've talked about before, but in case you missed it, <clears throat> when when you are going to go swimming, or when you have a a, a hose with a with a fountain and the kids are playing in it. They say play water, not playing with water or going swimming. You want to go play water? Water is not a thing. You play with water. But anyway, play water is a biggie. Um, where God? That's an expression like um, kind of like unbelievable. Where God. It's hard to describe exactly how it's used, but it is. And why you why you so like that, ah? Uh? Why you so like that, ah? Uh? When somebody's being annoying or difficult, this is an expression you hear all the time here. It's again, it's the English is terrible. It's why you so like that, ah? Uh? You're being annoying or you're being aggravating to somebody. That's that's a big one. Um, now, I wrote this, and, and this kind of sums it up. I realize that it's simply a direct translation in, in both Cantonese, Mandarin. I'm not so sure about Tamil or Hindi, but uh, in Bahasa Malaysia, also in Malay, uh, it's a direct translation in most cases, to English. So uh, I am a bit of a grammar Nazi. It still annoys me, but I still kind of giggle inside whenever I hear these phrases because they're they're cute. They're very local language. And um, I've gotten over my initial shock of hearing them, but I found myself even including them in my own conversation. So I use the phrases too now after almost 20 years. Uh, Malaysia, you have corrupted my grammar. I hope you're proud. Um, and then I, I wrote this at the end, which really sums it up perfectly. It's like a jelly and peanut butter sandwich. It isn't wrong, but it sure the hell isn't right. <laughs> oh, man. Luna says, uh, NSR actually taught me some Malay. That's cool. That's excellent. 
um, you knew none before. Yeah, I, that's great. Uh, NSR, if you don't know, is No Straight Roads, the uh, the game that uh, I did the voice of Cliff for. And uh, that was actually who is all playing among us tonight over on Steven's channel. Um, so anyway, yeah, <laughs> that was... Uh, that's cool that you were able to learn some of the language. Um, it's not that difficult to learn, actually. Uh, and a lot of modern, contemporary um, Malay words sound very much like English. Um, and my head just went completely blank. I can't think of one. Uh, anyway, um, there there are a, a million words in Bahasa that are pretty much the same as English. I mean, you can phonetically sound them out and you'll be able to understand the language. Hey, found a cool one on a completely different subject. We're kind of changing gears now. Um, but this this is so cool. There's a, there's a site called Architecture and Design. It's actually a Facebook page. But they post some of the coolest stuff and check this out. Again, I'm sorry if you're listening to the podcast. Go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. You can watch the video version of the show. It's free. Sign up for an account over there and check it out. And subscribe, please. Rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. But check this out. <clears throat> These are egg packaging. I know. It's like, did somebody just invent a better mousetrap? But somebody has invented a better egg package. This is the coolest thing. I haven't shown you the, the, the end of it, but see that? Again, this is visual. Uh, you've got this kind of hourglass shape with the holes cut out here for the eggs. I'm assuming fris biota, bi, biotoja, biotojas? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what language that is. But anyway, once you take this band off, the top part folds back like the second picture. And then the eggs become available. But when it's folded up with the band on it, they're protected. You see they're a little loose in there, so they have a little room to move around. And there you go. You just take out what you need, whip the top back over, and boom, your eggs are there. Now, that is brilliant. I mean, because the egg cartons we have now you know they haven't changed in a million years and uh they yeah, they do a decent job of protecting eggs but not perhaps the best but this is a really really cool idea look at that i'm telling you besides just designing really neat looking buildings architects do some really cool work they really do check that out i love that design uh let's see luna um you have a cold. Oh, no. Yeah, rest up. Take a couple of whatever you take, Tylenol, aspirin. Rest up and uh, and get better. All right. We're going to be going on to the Jungle Book in a little while. We're still in the story of Ricky Tikitavi. And as you know, the cobra is lying in wait. So we'll see what happens. Bring sexy eggs back. Yes, what a great idea. Bring back... <laughs> Bring back sexy eggs. <laughs> uh, we always try and share with you some sort of inspiration. And I've got at least one tonight. i got one for you tonight, which I found I liked it a lot, and I thought I would share it with you. It is in the form of a poem, and it is called 
the mountain, and um, hopefully it will inspire you, uh, inspire your life. If the mountain seems too big today, then climb a hill instead. If the morning brings you sadness, it's okay to stay in bed. If the day ahead weighs heavy and your plans feel like a curse, there's no shame in rearranging. Don't make yourself feel worse. If a shower stings like needles and a bath feels like you'll drown, if you haven't washed your hair for days, don't throw away your crown. A day is not a lifetime, a rest is not defeat. Don't think of it as a failure, just a quiet, kind retreat. It's okay to take a moment from an anxious, fractured mind. The world will not stop spinning while you get realigned. The mountain will still be there when you want to try again. You can climb it in your own time. Just love yourself till then. Nice. Really nice. I love that. It's a, a strange site called Christmas with the Clauses, if you want to check them out and subscribe over there. Serena, you're going away. Thank you. I'm glad you stopped by. It means a lot to me. Love your show. Got to go, but I'll be back. You're awesome. Aww. Thank you so much. Big round of applause for, uh, for you and a, and a hearty kiss. There you go. Just for you, Serena. Thank you so much. <laughs> All righty. Uh, it's time to move up and on and uh, head into our book, uh, The Jungle Book, which we have been reading from. It is a long book, folks. This thing has taken forever to get through. But um, but we are managing. And uh, if I haven't lost my place, I think I might have. Um, hang on. Give me a second here because I've got to get my mouse back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Where are we? Uh, hang on. J and Tech. Okay. J and Tech is trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So here we go. Ah, there we go. All right. Ricky Tiki Tavi, as you know, the Cobra slithered in to the bathroom and was nag, was lying in wait for the father. And Ricky Ticky was also hiding in the shadows, waiting to get Nag to protect the family. And uh, when we last left Ricky Ticky, he said it must be the head where he needs to strike. The head above the hood. And once I'm there, I must not let go. So we continue on with the story. Stop moving me around like that. <laughs> we continue on with the story of Ricky Tiki Tavi from the Jungle Book. <clears throat> then he jumped. The head was lying a little clear of the water jar, under the curve of it. And as his teeth met, Ricky braced his back against the bulge of the red earthenware to hold down the head. This gave him just one second's purchase, and he made the most of it. 
Then he was battered to and fro as a rat is shaken by a dog, to and fro on the floor, up and down, and around in great circles. But his eyes were red, and he held on as the body cart-whipped over the floor, upsetting the tin dipper and the soap dish and the fresh brush, and banged against the tin side of the bathtub. As he held on, he closed his jaws tighter and tighter, for he made sure he would be banged to death, and, for the honor of his family, he preferred to be found with his teeth locked. He was dizzy, aching, felt shaken to pieces, when something went off like a thunderclap just behind him. A hot wind knocked him senseless, and red fire singed his fur. The big man had been wakened by the noise and had fired both barrels of a shotgun straight into Nag, just behind the hood. Rikki-Tikki held on with his eyes shut, for now he was quite sure he was dead. But the head did not move, and the big man picked him up and said, It's the mongoose again, Alice. The little chap has saved our lives now. Then Teddy's mother came in with a very white face and saw what was left of Nag, and Rikki-Tikki dragged himself to Teddy's bedroom and spent half the rest of the night shaking himself tenderly to find out whether he was really broken into forty pieces, as he fancied. When morning came, he was very stiff, but well pleased with his doings. Now I have a Nagaina to settle with, and she will be worse than five nags, and there's no knowing when the eggs she spoke of will hatch. Goodness, I must go and see Darcy, he said. Without waiting for breakfast, Rikki-Tikki ran up to the thorn bush, where Darcy was singing a song of triumph at the top of his voice. The news of Nag's death was all over the garden, for the sweeper had thrown the body on the rubbish heap. Oh, you stupid tuft of feathers, said Rikki-Tikki angrily. Is this the time to sing? Nag is dead, is dead, is dead, sang Darcy. The valiant Rikki-Tikki caught him by the head and held fast. The big man brought the bang-stick, and Nag fell into two pieces. He will never eat my babies again. All that's true enough, but where is Nagaina? said Rikki-Tikki, looking carefully around him. Nagaina came to the bathroom sluice and called for Nag, Darcy went on. And Nag came out on the end of a stick. The sweeper picked him up by the end of the stick and threw him on the rubbish heap. Let us sing about the great, the red-eyed Rikki-Tikki. And Darzy filled his throat and sang. If I could get up to your nest, I'd roll your babies out, said Rikki-Tikki. You don't know when to do the right thing at the right time. You're safe enough in your nest there. But it's war for me down here. Stop singing a minute, Darcy. 
for the great, the beautiful Ricky Ticky's sake. I will stop, said Darcy. What is it, O killer of the terrible nag? Where is Nagina for the third time? On the rubbish heap by the stables, mourning for nag. Great is Ricky Ticky with the white teeth. Bother my white teeth. Have you ever heard where she keeps her eggs? On the melon bed, on the end nearest the wall, where the sun strikes nearly all day. She hid them there three weeks ago. And you never thought it was worth it to tell me? The end nearest the wall, you said. Ricky Ticky, you're not going to eat her eggs. Mm, not eat, exactly. No, Darcy, if you have a grain of sense, you will fly off to the stable and pretend that your wing is broken. I must get to the melon bed. And if I went there now, she'd see me. Darcy was a feather-brained little fellow who could never hold more than one idea at a time in his head. And just because he knew that Nagina's children were born in eggs, like his own, he didn't think at first that it was fair to kill them. But his wife was a sensible bird and she knew that cobra's eggs meant young cobras later on. So she flew off from the nest and left Darcy to keep the babies warm and continue his song about the death of Nag. Darcy was very like a man in many ways. She fluttered in front of Nagaina by the rubbish heap and cried out, Oh, my wing is broken. The boy in the house threw a stone at me and broke it. Then she fluttered more desperately than ever. Nagaina lifted up her head and hissed, You warned Ricky Ticky when I should have killed him. Indeed and truly, you've chosen a bad place to be lame in. And she moved towards Darcy's wife, slipping along over the dust. The boy broke it with a stone, shrieked Darcy's wife. Well, it may be some consolation to you when you're dead to know that I shall settle my accounts with the boy. My husband lies on that rubbish heap this morning, but before night the boy in the house will lie very still. What is the use of running away? I'm sure to catch you. Little fool, look at me. But Darcy's wife knew better than to do that, for a bird who looks at a snake's eyes gets so frightened that she cannot move. Darcy's wife fluttered on, piping sorrowfully and never leaving the ground, and Nagaina quickened her pace. Ricky Ticky heard them going up the path from the stables, and he raced for the end of the melon patch near the wall. And there, in the warm litter above the melons, very cunnily hidden, he found twenty-five eggs, the size of a bantam's eggs, but with whitish skin instead of a shell. I was not a day too soon, he said, 
for he could see the baby cobras curled up inside the skin. And he knew the minute they were hatched, they could kill a man or a mongoose. He bit off the tops of the eggs as fast as he could, taking care to crush the young cobras and turn over the litter from time to time to see if he'd missed any. At last, there were only three eggs left, and Ricky Ticky began to chuckle to himself when he heard Darzee's wife screaming. Ricky Ticky, I led Nagaina toward the house and she's gone into the veranda, and... Oh, come quickly. She means killing. Ricky Ticky smashed two eggs and tumbled backward down the melon bed with the third egg in his mouth and scuttled to the veranda as hard as he could put foot for the ground. Teddy and his mother were still there at early breakfast, but Ricky Ticky saw that they were not eating anything. They sat stone still and their faces were white. Nagaina was coiled up on the matting by Teddy's chair, within easy striking distance of Teddy's bare leg, and she was swaying to and fro, singing a song of triumph. Son of the big man that killed Nag, she hissed, stay still. I am not ready yet. Wait a little. Keep very still, all you three. If you move, I strike. And if you do not move, I strike. Oh, foolish people who killed my nag. Teddy's eyes were fixed on his father and all his father could do was whisper, Sit still, Teddy. You mustn't move. Teddy, keep still. Then Ricky Ticky came up and cried, Turn around, Nagaina. Turn and fight. And yep, that's where we're going to leave it for tonight. That's a good spot to leave it. Oh, my. Suspense, huh? <laughs> All right, folks. Cool beans. Nice, nice, nice. Wow. This is a cool chapter from The Jungle Book. Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book. All right. We'll continue it on our next show on, um, on Monday night. And we hope you'll join us then. All our podcast listeners, thank you so much. Don't forget, uh, patreon.com slash Sheldon is where you can go to help support the show. And uh, we hope that you will do that. I, on the other hand, will see you again on Monday night for yet another stream. I'm going to try, try to get back over to Stephen Bones Everything's live stream for the Among Us game. But this audio problem is at the moment, seems unsolvable. <laughs> All right, my friends, see you again. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants, and have yourself a good night and a great weekend. <laughs>